The Miracle on 34th Street, Home Alone, The Grinch, It's a Wonderful Life, Christmas classics we love to watch each year. Join us in discovering how they reveal truths about Christian faith. I hear bells. I'm missing something. Amy, is my stand back there? Can you look back there? iPad stand. Hey, good morning, y'all. Hey, uh, this is uh, this is the sermon after the blizzard of 2018, right? Man, what a snow! What a snow! Thank you, Amy. Uh, appreciate that. <laughs> You're so kind. Uh, we are in this series, and two weeks ago, before the blizzard, we uh, talked about uh, the miraculous birth of Jesus, and we looked at the facts that surround that miracle and how that makes a difference in our lives, and we, uh, we made this uh, conclusion that belief only has value when it's justified by fact. So there's all these facts that surround this, uh, this miracle, and, uh, and that's what makes that belief so valuable. Uh, this week, we're going to shift our focus from uh, facts to experience, uh, an experience that everyone has had, the experience of being alone, right? Uh, all of us have felt alone. Maybe you feel alone right now, but all of us have had that uh, emotional experience. And what better movie uh, to introduce this topic than one of my favorite Christmas classics, right? Home Alone. How many love Home Alone, right? It's a favorite. Right, and so uh, bratty eight-year-old Kevin McAllister is—he's—he's—he's uh, he's, he's being bratty, right? So his mom sends him to the attic, and that's where he has to sleep for the night. And he begins to wish that he—he he had the whole house to himself, that he wasn't part of a family, that he could be uh, all alone. And so after the McAllisters get up the next morning, they're flying off for vacation. They forget about Kevin in the attic, and uh, and he's abandoned. And so uh, his excitement sours though when two con men decide they're going to break into the house, and so. Uh, this is uh, one of my favorite clips in this series. I hope you'd enjoy it as much as I do. What are you doing, Marv? Harry, don't move. Marv? Don't move. Marv, what are you doing?
I know what some of y'all are thinking right now. Can you just let it play, right? It's way better than hearing you talk. Hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it, it turned sour quick, didn't it? Like when the con men show up. I mean, uh, he thought being alone would be fun, but it wasn't fun at all. It turned out to be very uh, problematic. Loneliness is a common everyday experience for many Americans. One survey said that uh, 58% of the people in America feel lonely uh, most of the time. Uh, 72% said they feel lonely uh, many times, but not all the time. Only 6% said they never feel alone. Mother Teresa said that loneliness is the leprosy of our day. And that might be true. Uh, a soldier deployed far from home, an elderly woman, a woman living in assisted living, an inmate in prison cell, a divorced man sitting in a sparsely uh, furnished apartment, a widow who's just buried their life's companion, a mom mourning yet another miscarriage, the person who's moved to a new town for a job, the missionary in a Muslim country trying to share the gospel, the married person who's just heard the words, I don't love you anymore, the addict who's trying to keep it all a secret. All of those are situations where people feel isolated and alone. A government census from 1920 to present reveals that there's a steady increase of people who live alone. Now, you don't have to live alone to feel alone. You could be at a Christmas party and feel alone, right? You could be at the first day of school, feel alone, right? You could be on a university campus and feel alone. You could be in church and feel alone. And the loneliness creates that thought that no one really knows what I'm going through. That's what we think when we feel alone. And loneliness is compounded at Christmas time, is it not? When family and friends come together and we see people together, we have nobody. And that's why we have songs like, I'll have a blue, <laughs> right? All right, Christmas without you. I couldn't get through the rest of it. And I practiced. Uh, or how about this one? I'll be home for Christmas if only, sing it with me, in my dreams. Okay, that's free. You don't have to pay for that. Next week you will. Uh, but anyway, uh, we have these songs because loneliness is part of this season. As much as celebrating the birth of Jesus is, loneliness is a prevailing feeling that uh, ha happens to, to many folk during this period of time. And so here are some indicators that we're home alone. Um, Feeling bored and excessively tired a lot. Feeling helpless and threatened a lot. Not sleeping well and being physically inactive a lot. All those are signs that we're dealing with loneliness. It may be a subconscious thing. It might be buried deep within. And uh, we can't see it, but others can. Often people don't know why they feel this way, but uh, there's this universal need for community. Hear me. Everyone, I don't care who you are, what you believe, where you come from, or what you've been through, every single person is created for community. And when you don't belong to community, it begins to affect you physically, mentally, and spiritually. And so, uh, loneliness often comes in times of transition, like moving or a job change, in times of separation, death, divorce, or deployment, uh, in opposition moments where there's family conflict or marital conflict, we often feel alone. And then when we're rejected by people who are peers and we feel like there's no one, uh, that no group that we can belong to. 
Now, from the very beginning of the Bible, we learn this, that we are not designed for loneliness, but for a community of divine purpose, right? Right from the very start of Scripture, we learn this truth by reading Genesis. God exists in community, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three in one. God exists in community. God's never alone because He has this community within Himself. And we are created by God for community with Him, for fellowship with Him. And so we're created in the image of God for community. We're created in the image of God for divine purpose because God has purpose. And so He's created us to have a purpose that He's instilled within us. And so there are many people who deal with loneliness in unhealthy ways. Uh, They try to mask their loneliness, right, through drugs and alcohol, or they seek acceptance from any group, no matter what the values of that group are. If they'll accept me, I'll I'll belong to them. At least I belong to somebody. And so uh, God, uh, He's going to speak to us today uh, to this issue of a leprosy, using Mother Trace's words, the leprosy of our day, this idea of loneliness. And so we're going to look at someone today who dealt with this very uh, feeling. And God's answers to that, and that is Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus. Beginning to read in Matthew 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph's parents and Mary's parents got together and arranged this marriage. This still happens in large nations in our world today, like in India. Many times, the children who are going to be married never meet each other until just before the wedding. About a month before the wedding, you meet who your parents have arranged you to to marry, right? You think, well, that's weird and and crazy, but, you know, they have a much lower divorce rate in those countries. Uh, There could be other reasons to that, but I'm just saying that arranged marriages uh, is more the the norm for history, uh, and and picking your own mate is less the norm uh, throughout history, believe it or not. But anyway, uh, it's very likely that Joseph and Mary knew each other prior to the wedding because they came from a small community. But after the marriage is arranged, arranged, they don't have any contact. Maybe up to a year they don't have any contact. We don't know for sure, but uh, based on research, the idea of them being separated for many months until the wedding day is very, very likely. It could have been up to a year. So how did Joseph find out that Mary was pregnant? Not through Mary. That's not how he found out. Because when she finds out, she goes off to be with her uh, relative, uh, Elizabeth, who's uh, pregnant with uh, Jesus' cousin, right, John the Baptist. She goes away. And so then she comes back and she's showing. So he, one, found out through town gossip, or maybe he found out from his parents, or maybe he found out like everybody else when she walks in town, right? But he didn't find out from Mary is what I'm trying to say. He finds out like everyone else found out in that community. So, could you imagine how Joseph would have felt? The girl that he's betrothed to, the one that this this marriage is going to take place soon, comes home pregnant. How would you feel? Well, you'd feel betrayed. You'd feel very lonely. You'd feel hurt. All of those emotions. Now, Joseph could have put her to death, which the law permitted that. That was very rare. We don't even have a record of it happening. Uh, It's more likely that he would have just divorced her uh, uh, publicly, but Joseph cared about Mary, and and he cared more about Mary than his own reputation. 
which is a sign of his character. But we read in Scripture, Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly without any kind of public acknowledgement. So he feels betrayed. What happens after betrayal in our life, a friend, a spouse, whatever? We feel alone. We feel like we've been abandoned, right? Loneliness comes when a spouse is abandoned, uh, abandoned by a mate. When two parents suffer through a Christmas because their son committed suicide two years ago, they feel betrayed. They feel alone. Uh, each person feels betrayed uh, and loneliness follows. So when companies shut down, like I read in the paper this week, Ikea is laying off a bunch of employees. When Georgia Pacific moved out, when Dan, Dan River Mills closed down, when Lane Furniture closed, when Pinnell Knitting closed, when companies closed, GM's laying off. Employees feel abandoned, don't they? They feel alone. They feel betrayed. Those are common experiences. A woman who sits alone in a retirement home looking at a generic Christmas card from her son that she hasn't seen in over a year. Uh, a wife of an alcoholic husband goes through the motions of decorating her home, but she knows on Christmas Eve he's going to be in a drunken stupor and she's going to feel betrayed and alone again. Where is God? In times of feeling betrayed and alone. I know Joseph probably felt like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. How am I going to make this decision? How am I going to get through this? We read in Matthew 1, 20, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? Say it with me. God with us. So throughout the Bible, we read about God's divine help. In this case, it's an angelic, angelic host. An angel appears to Joseph in a dream. Angels throughout the Bible have given people encouragement and guidance and help. And so here's what I'm just trying to say. There's an unseen heavenly host at the dispatch of God's authority at any time for his saints. Now, I'm not saying these things are, are, are happen every day. It looks like this is a very rare thing that happens. But it is possible at any time for God to do what he, he's God, right? I mean, he's the one calling the shots. He can do what he wants. And so in this case, he dispatches an angel to let Joseph know that he's not carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's not alone. God is very aware of what's going on in the moment. John Patton was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands, and he and his wife one night were surrounded by hostile natives. And they were intent on burning their house down and killing the Pattons in this missionary attempt. Um, when daylight came, they were amazed to find that their attackers had left them and, uh, and not bothered them at all. About a year later, the Patents actually go into the village of the chief who had sent the attackers to come and kill them. Uh, they bring them to Jesus. They bring them to a, a faith in Christ. And so he asked the question, uh, why didn't you kill us that night when you had us surrounded? And he said, when we looked at your hut, we couldn't 
understand why all those bright, shining men with drawn swords were standing around you. We became terrified and we ran away. There are examples like that, many examples like that, where God's angelic host show up to deliver God's people who are trying to do His will. And so this next verse that we're going to talk about uh, shows that, God, that, that Joseph's not alone. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. Uh, he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph gave him the name Jesus, just as he was instructed. So the angel appears in a dream. It wasn't our average dream after, you know, too much pizza or whatever. It was a dream that he knew it was a divine revelation, and he obeys God's will. Now, it's not universal <coughs> that we're going to see angels or have these amazing dreams. That's not universal. But here is what is universal to the experience of every follower of Christ. When we simply do what God has instructed us to do, His presence is with us. Therefore, Jesus says, his last words to his disciples recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, he said, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, what? Say it with me. I am with you. Always. To the very end of the age. Look, in this, in this scripture, we have a couple things I just want to highlight. One is, there's a divine purpose. And that is to carry the gospel to the entire world, right? There's a divine community, disciples. And then there's this divine presence that's with us as we do God's will. So here's the first thing we want to identify, that obedience to God assures us of His presence. We are never alone when we are seeking to try to follow Jesus. We're never alone. We might feel alone, but the truth of the matter is that we're not alone. Now, Joseph... He would need reassuring, right? He would need some reassuring because his next steps would be even more difficult than finding out that Mary was pregnant. Imagine, how could it be more difficult? Um, it's challenging when we understand what God is calling us to. I remember uh, when we first moved here, Marie and I first moved here in our first winter in Chatham. And we were living in 500 square feet. We affectionately called Man Villa, which is a refurbished garage. And uh, I remember looking at Marie and seeing that she looked very alone. And uh, when I began to, you know, quiz her about that, she's like, well, I didn't, I didn't know this was going to be, you know, uh, I'm newly married. I'm, I'm living in this and we're cold. And I couldn't understand why. I mean, she had me, right? <laughs> How could she feel alone? I, I, I thought, what the world? But anyway, here's the point. What pulled her through that time of loneliness was not Bob. It was God. God's divine presence was surrounding her because she knew this is what God had called her to. And she was obeying his will. So even though there was those moments where she felt alone, she knew she was following God and that eventually... Uh, those, those, those feelings that we have are, are erased by the truth that God is present in our lives. So maybe you feel alone right now. You know what King David said? He wrote, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The apple of God's eye is one of the names 
of David in the Bible. A guy who's, who many times is very close to God, but then sometimes became very disobedient. But he felt lonely and afflicted, but yet he called out uh, for the Lord to be close to him. And so maybe you feel alone right now because you made a decision to follow God's will in your life. Maybe you feel alone because you have decided that sexual intimacy is reserved for marriage and the one you were dating didn't like that, didn't like you to make that decision in your life based on God's will, and you feel very alone. It's a common experience. Joseph struggled with loneliness, not just in that moment, but in what was to follow. Uh, and, and we just need to remember that God is with us to the end of the age. Look, in the days of Caesar Augustus, uh, issued uh, a decree that the census should be taken from the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place when uh, Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in the Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this recently, but think about it now. What pressure they must have felt, especially Joseph, because he's going to take this very, very pregnant wife on a 70-mile journey that's basically uphill on a donkey that's going to take about five days. Now, many of us have traveled five days, but traveling on a donkey, right? You got to go easy. I mean, he's got to leave his work, so he can't work during that period of time, so he's without income. Uh, they're paying uh, for their expenses out of any monies they might have saved. And so uh, I can't imagine that he didn't feel very anxious. He didn't feel like he was very burdened, but yet he's doing what God had instructed him to do. And I guarantee you, Joseph said something like this in his mind, really, God, this is your plan? <laughs> Come on. This is your plan, God? I mean, I would have been like, God, I think you've made a big mistake. This is not how it should go. I mean, I got a very. Pre I mean, how we're gonna how are we gonna manage this? So, we continue to read in Luke. While they uh, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to the firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Kudos to Joe, right? Because if you're going to tell me right now, I'm going to take my very pregnant Marie, which that would be a miracle. I'm just saying there's reasons for that. That would be a miracle. And I got to carry her uh, 70 miles. So I don't know. I'm trying to think of someplace 70 miles from here on a donkey. And when I get there, uh, the guy who doesn't like to, you know, see animals, you know, I don't even like to open up a fish. Like, I got to I got to give birth to the like, I got to no, that's not happening man, I'm going down, and somebody better be coming around me, you know, there better be a rescue squad close by. I'm just saying, all of this is, is mounting on Joseph. So, so get in that moment of how he must have felt at that period of time. And so here they are, and the only thing that gets him through this, I think, is he knows he's, he's fulfilling God's will in a divine plan. Look, mission gives purpose to the struggle. If you don't understand God's purpose in your life, if you don't understand that he, he's called you to imitate his son in life, 
and to bring people to understand who Jesus is through your actions and words sometimes if necessary. But you're, if you don't understand that, then the struggles that you go through don't make sense. But once you identify with Jesus, life begins to make sense. Can I get an amen? Is there a witness in the room? Are there any Pentecostals in the house? Has anybody drank any Starbucks coffee this morning? Wake up, church. I'm preaching, and you're, you need to start listening, right? I'm just, I'm just being kind when I say that. But we know from Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. I looked up the word all. Do you know what it means? Right, thanks. You know, here's the thing, that, that when we identify that God is working in our life and we are trying to follow him, it all makes sense. And, and things that didn't make sense before, now I'm not saying it happens immediately, like for Joseph, it surely didn't happen immediately, but it does happen. My oldest sister, Janet, uh, her husband, Dave, died uh, suddenly, unexpectedly, uh, about my age, and uh, he was leading a men's prayer retreat up in the mountains of East Tennessee and uh, went out for a morning prayer walk and, uh, and died. And uh, Janet went through the struggles that every person goes through when they lose a spouse like that. Unexpectedly, I had no idea it was coming. And, and, and so uh, her life, you see, had been immersed into God's mission because Dave and Janet had been serving the church most of their adult lives. They had been serving in the Lord's church, either in a, in a lay position or in a, in a professional position, but they had been serving uh, God. And so what carried her through was knowing that somehow God would bring purpose in this. It didn't make sense. They just moved into their house that they were going to retire in. It, the church was growing. Uh, their kids were you know, having babies. They were seeing their first grandchildren. In the moment, nothing made sense, but... Because she stayed on mission, it gave purpose to the struggle. So, <clears throat> she's had conversations with other people who've lost their spouse in a similar way, suddenly, unexpectedly. Or parents who've lost children suddenly and unexpectedly. She's been a witness to the Christians around her that God is real. A couple Wednesday nights ago, we went over a lesson... And I, the title that I put was, This Better Be Real. If you're coming here to feel good about yourself, I mean, I hope you do. But the purpose of coming here is to find out what the truth is and then live by it because we're all going to face struggles and, some, and eventually we'll all face death. It had better be real. When you're holding the hand of your loved one who's dying, it had better be real. So what I'm saying is that, that if we understand the mission and purpose in, God's li in, in our lives, that no matter what the struggle is, that we know there's purpose in it and there's meaning to it. And so we don't have to be rattled and we don't have to come off the shelf and we don't have to like just be, you know, all the pieces. Even though there'll be struggles, they'll feel like, am I alone? I'm feeling, but we know that those feelings will be changed by God's presence in our life. And so... God's not done with sending help to Joseph. There's this unlikely community that will show up. Remember, we talked about community, all right? And so we read, and the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, 
Do not be afraid. That's my angel voice. Uh, I, bring, I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And when the angels had left them and they'd gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let's go to Bethlehem. And <laughs> that's my shepherd's voice. Uh, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and, they, and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, the shepherds were the first to receive the news. Um, really? That's who God sends? Shepherds were the truck drivers. And I can say that I drove a truck, right? Shepherds were the mechanics. I can say that I was a mechanic. Shepherds are the, you know, the bikers. I'm not really a biker. I ride a Harley, but I'm not, you know, I'm not tough like, like some other people in the room. But what I'm saying is that you would think God would have sent a team that would have had some medical experience. Well, I mean, they probably had delivered their own sheepies or lammies or whatever you call them, right? <laughs> right? So... What I'm saying is that it doesn't seem like a likely group, but they probably knew where the resources were. The big idea here is that it's all about humility. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to bow your knee, and you have to declare you're not king anymore of your life, and you need outside help, and his name is Jesus. It's all about humility. So that's the big idea here, but let's just take a moment for the practical thing. I mean... Joseph is feeling alone, and here come these smelly, stinky shepherds. Hey, what you got in there? Oh, is that a baby? Well, hallelujah, we just heard the angels talk about it. You know, I mean, that's not probably, I mean, Mary's like, can you cover me a little bit? You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> your slip is showing. Anyway, um, then God sends another community, right, about two years later. So I need all of you to go home to your nativity scenes and you take your wise men and you move them into the kitchen and you put them on the refrigerator and you put a little postcard there two years later. All right. All right. So I've just <laughs> all right. several years later, their resources are running low and these magi show up from the east. Right. And they're not Christians. They're not even Jews. Right. They're just. Guys that have been given a revelation through the stars and, and maybe some other prophecies from Daniel they've interpreted. But anyway, they bring gifts. And uh, they bring these gifts and they're needed because King Herod, who we're going to talk about next week, uh, is coming to bring his army to kill Jesus because there's not going to be any king but him. So Joseph realized in that moment he was never alone. God will affirm his presence in our lives through his community. Hebrews 10 24 and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You ever feel like, I don't want to go to church? Now, I haven't felt like that in years, but there were times I felt like that, you know? Did you ever think about coming to church is not about you? Maybe your smile, your encouraging word is encouraging someone who's about to give up. All I'm saying is that we 
find so much encouragement through the presence of community in our life. We find God's uh, speaking to us through others. We find God encouraging us through, us, through others. And so when, when we come together, uh, this community that surrounds us helps us work through those moments of feeling isolated, alone, and the weight of this world on our shoulders. And it's not that any of, any of us have the answer that someone needs in that moment, because we're not answer people, but we are encouragers, right? We are encouragers. So <clears throat> there's other things that remove loneliness in our life, worshiping God, Christian music, reading the Bible. But to me, nothing brings more of God's presence in my life than when I am in the presence of God's community, when we come together. It is just, I'm glad God did that. I'm glad we're not, you know, on the off the reservation all by ourselves, all alone on the mountain. I, I'm glad that is not how God designed this. And so his presence is made near when believers come together. So in him, in Christ, we are never alone, no matter what we face. That's what I want you to remember. In him, we're never alone, no matter what we face. Unlike the movie Home Alone, where it was all up to Kevin to save himself, God has given us mission, right, or purpose. God has given us community. God has given us uh, angelic host if we need it, and he's given us a community. He's given us the Holy Spirit who lives within us. So what you need to decide is what's my next right step? We actually believe that every time we preach the gospel, God is moving us one step closer into the very image of his son by our actions. And so maybe your next step is to take... Uh, make a decision to be part of a community, maybe this one. We certainly hope it would be this one if you're here today. Maybe your next step is to join one of our teams so that we can help people who've never been in the church before find out what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. It takes about 30 people every Sunday to have this service. When we combine all the people that make communion and serve the kids and lead the worship team, maybe you have a skill Maybe you are a divine drummer, and you look like uh, that little guy on Sesame Street. What was his name? Animal, right? <laughs> maybe you can play like Animal, or maybe you can strum the guitar, or maybe you can sing, or maybe you love computers, and you're just like, we desperately need people to help us in multiple areas, or maybe, <laughs> I'm still laughing about that, uh, maybe, <laughs> Maybe, maybe you could. Maybe you have that smile, and you're 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 like, hey, I can hold the door open and 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 tell somebody where to take their kids. Look, we're constantly seeing new people come to church every. We need people to take a step. I'll say no to this, so I can say yes to this, so I can help people in this journey. Or maybe your next step is to take some of that Christmas cookie stuff and candy stuff that's on your countertop at home, that you know you shouldn't eat, that you know you can't eat, there's no way you can eat all that, and you put it in a bag, and you take it to someone who is home alone. And you say, Merry Christmas. God loves you. We're just thinking about it. It could be that simple. <sighs> Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk, right, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Christ is with me. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much.
for um, this story. I love the realness of the narrative of Jesus' birth. I can't imagine what both Mary and Joseph must have felt. They both must have felt times of, of being alone. But you kept showing up in different ways through angels, through shepherds, through wise men, through uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, you kept showing up, reminding them they are not alone. And we're not alone. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, you are with us. So, Father, help us to recognize that, celebrate that, and introduce others to that. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on the web at cornerstonechatham.org.